February 1st, 2021. The country of Myanmar, once known as Burma before a brand change in 1989, experienced a full-on military coup. The army, known as the Tatmadaw, sent military armored vehicles to multiple government offices, including the presidential palace at its capital, Naypyi-taw. The army chief, Ming Ong Yang, led the offensive to dispose of the democratically elected government and its leader, the infamous Aung San Suu Kyi. The army rounded up hundreds of politicians of the ruling National League for Democracy Party and placed them on house arrest, shut down the airports across many cities, and completely switched off the internet. The army justified this coup by claiming that the NLD committed election fraud, so it was simply reclaiming power from corruption. Two days later, hundreds of workers from hospitals to schools to banks to even truck drivers all went on strike. On February 4th, the All-Burma Federation of Student Unions began to plan protests across the country. Now, these protests have grown tenfold. It began as a subtle general strike of civil disobedience, with people mostly deciding not to go to work and giving the now new army government some grief. Demonstrations grew even larger, as hundreds of thousands of Burmese across the country lined the streets demanding the release of sushi and a return to civilian rule. The army responded by firing water cannons, rubber bullets, and tear gas, arresting many in the process. But then, on March 3rd, the thing that people feared the most had come true. Riot police have opened fire to disperse protesters in Myanmar's largest city, Yangon. Witnesses say they used guns and stun grenades. <laughs> Welcome to the Under the Sea Bass podcast. In this episode, we take a deep dive on the protest in Myanmar. The Republic of the Union of Myanmar is a country in Southeast Asia. Myanmar is bordered by Bangladesh and India to its west, China to its north, Laos and Thailand to its east, and the Bay of Bengal to its south. Myanmar is a large country with a population of just over 54 million. During the early parts of the 20th century, it was a British colony. After World War II in 1948, it was granted independence as a democratic socialist country. But after a decade of economic mismanagement and social disorder by the ruling government, the army, and in some ways backed by popular demand, officially took over the country in a coup in 1962. The army went on to grasp full control of Burmese politics for the next 50 years. The actions that have led to the 2021 coup is noteworthy, and a wild ride that, for many, is as long as it is terrifying. So let's begin by going back in time and seeing what ignited this firestorm. The removal of Senluin was exactly what the Burmese people wanted. After five days of violent anti-government demonstrations, which has left at least a thousand people dead, the government capitulated and Senluin resigned. In a radio broadcast, the armed forces commander had declared that the army would take stern measures against protesters. Without radical reform and a swift return to democracy, the new president will be powerless to prevent civil war. 
The year is 1988, and a massive pro-democracy protest is taking place. The 8888 movement, as it is known, named after the date of its peak on August 8, 1988, was set off by students in the former capital city of Yangon. Hundreds of thousands, some say close to a million, university students and civilians across the country protested against the totalitarian military government and notably the economic disaster Burma was in at the time. Though these protests had started months earlier, the protests on this day quickly turned very violent. The army, led by Sain Luin, aka The Butcher, ordered soldiers to shoot protesters. Protesters fought back by throwing Molotov cocktails. The uprising ultimately ended on September 18th, after the State Law and Order Restoration Council, a branch of the army, officially took back full control and imposed martial law, but not before an estimated 3 to 5,000 people were killed during this month of violence. Also, during this crisis, Aung San Suu Kyi, a name you'll hear a lot in this episode, emerged as a national icon as she provided worldwide media attention to the situation in Burma. But as a result of this protest, the military government promised to at least hold elections in 1990. During this election in 1990, Aung San Suu Kyi and her NLD party won an overwhelming majority. But probably to no one's surprise, the military refused to recognize the results. Back to military rule, it seems. As for Sushi, she was placed on house arrest for the next 14 years. Nobel Peace Prize winner Aung San Suu Kyi had her house arrest lengthened today, additional punishment by the repressive government of Myanmar. Now we fast forward to 2007. Another major pro-democracy protest is taking place, mostly caused by a major jump in fuel prices. This one is called the Saffron Revolution led mostly by the thousands of monks living in Myanmar. And in true monk form, it began as a non-violent form of civil disobedience. But just like in 1988, this protest also became violent, as the military decided on another harsh crackdown. They were sparked by price hikes, attracted the attention of the monks, but now seem to have taken on a life of their own. The protests against the military rulers of Myanmar ended in bloodshed Thursday, when the general's patience with demonstrators ran out. Go home or be shot. That was the government's warning to protesters Thursday. Later, they fired automatic weapons over the crowds. Sources continue to disagree, but it's reported several people have been killed and hundreds arrested in protests across Myanmar. Thousands are still demonstrating. The United States and the European Union have condemned the attacks and are calling on Myanmar's military leaders to talk to the protesters. But Myanmar's few allies are calling for restraint. With the world watching, the Burmese army cut off the internet, but continued their harsh crackdown. In all, an estimated 15 to 30 people were killed and hundreds injured. However, the Saffron Revolution succeeded in its attempt to transition Myanmar to a democratic nation, as it would eventually lead to a 2008 change in their constitution, allowing for the first time since 1962 the prospect of civilian rule. Protesters in Yangon have a clear message to the government change the constitution so that opposition leader Aung San Suu Kyi can run for the presidency next year. 
In every country, people have the right to elect their president, the ministers and the prime minister, as they want. Everyone wants to cooperate with the leaders of our country to take responsibility for the good of the country. But as there are lots of restrictions on us, we have to protest to say that these articles in the constitution are not appropriate. But when you're sitting at the top, you don't necessarily tend to give up your position of power so easily. And the army had its plans in place to keep it that way. This new constitution reserved 25% of seats in parliament to the army and still allowed military leaders to appoint important positions in government, basically allowing for civilian rule, but not really allowing civilians to actually have much control. Either way, it opened up a new path for elections in 2010. Ms. Sushi was finally released from house arrest, but boycotted the election, saying it was going to be rigged in favor of the army's political party, the Union Solidarity and Development Party, or USDP which, in some ways, it was. In the end, the USDP won over 80% of the vote, and a man named Tain Sin became president. But regardless, now for the first time since 1962, Myanmar was officially no longer under direct military rule. But now, where does that leave our infamous icon Aung San Suu Kyi? Well, she won a Nobel Peace Prize in 1991, and in 2015, made her remarkable comeback to the political limelight. It seems the world has a new democracy. After years of brutal repression, Burma's freedom movement and its charismatic leader Aung San Suu Kyi have prevailed. And that was something to celebrate here tonight. She is genius. She is genius. She is a great leader. She is very honest. Yeah. She is a light father. She is our mother. The NLD won a supermajority of seats in parliament, putting the military's political party in the extreme minority. I'm sure they didn't see that coming. But now, here's where it gets a bit confusing. Ms. Sushi is constitutionally disallowed from becoming president, since in that 2008 constitution, there was a clause included in it that barred anyone with foreign relatives from the presidency. She has two sons that were born in Britain. But that didn't stop the NLD party and her supermajority from working around that problem. They simply created a new position called the State Counselor of Myanmar, and now she became the de facto leader of the country. Hmm, not bad for someone who spent 14 years in a home prison. This is what she had to say after her election in 2015. The constitution says nothing about somebody being above the president. I've said I'm going to be above the president. Oh? Oh, I've already made plans. Oh, but how the good times don't always last as long as they should. And in 2017, Aung San Suu Kyi quickly became embroiled in a major worldwide problem, all thanks to the Tatmadaw. The world's fastest growing humanitarian crisis as thousands of Rohingya refugees are spending a fourth night stranded near the border with Bangladesh. Hundreds of thousands have left their homes in Myanmar, where they'd faced a military offensive following claims that Rohingya militants were guilty of attacking police checkpoints there. More than half a million Rohingya Muslims have now fled across the border into Bangladesh. And over the past three days, some 15,000 refugees have been stranded with limited supplies of food and water. 
Myanmar is also a country embroiled in ethnic tensions, the biggest one in the state of Rakhine between a minority group called the Rohingya Muslims and, well, the primarily Buddhist government as a whole. It's a very long story that probably deserves its own deep dive, but for our sake, all you need to know is that in 2016, and again in 2017, Rohingya insurgent groups attacked multiple army posts and police stations, killing over 100 people. As a response to this violence, the Tatmadaw ransacked and burned down entire Rohingya villages, killing and raping thousands of innocent people and driving over 700,000 Rohingya Muslims from their homes and forcing them into refugee camps in neighboring Bangladesh. And things unfortunately have not improved so much for these poor people. The army was accused of trying to commit genocide against them. And to this day, it has not improved much since. What's going on in Myanmar? Why have you had to flee? On the way, we saw many dead people. Their heads and limbs chopped off. The slaughter took place house by house. But now all eyes were on state councillor Sushi. For a while, she seemed to have ignored the problem. This drew serious criticism around the world by human rights groups and the European Union. But at home, people were surprisingly in favor of the army's actions. Again, there is lots of ethnic tension in Myanmar. The army generals were hoping she would go against them, making her unpopular at home. But instead, in 2019, in front of the International Court of Justice, she defended the army's clearance operations. Her international reputation forever tarnished, her Nobel Peace Prize revoked. But at home, she was as popular as ever. And this bode well for her, especially in the most recent national elections just last year in 2020. The first official results are trickling in from Myanmar's general elections, giving three parliamentary seats to Aung San Suu Kyi's National League for Democracy. Even before the final count is in, the party says it's confident of a landslide win. It says internal reports suggest it has won enough seats to form a majority government. Celebrations at the NLD headquarters, as early indications showed the ruling party in the lead in Myanmar. The polls are only the second since Myanmar emerged from military rule, and they are widely seen as a referendum on the NLD's first term in power and the leadership of activist-turned-politician Aung San Suu Kyi. Despite Myanmar facing a surge in coronavirus cases, voter turnout was high, with COVID-19 prevention measures in place at all polling stations. Ms. Sushi and her NLD party did come out on top, winning in a landslide, and once again, handedly defeating the military's party. But to many, this election wasn't without controversy, with many areas barred from voting at all. The polls have been described as fundamentally flawed by rights group Human Rights Watch. More than one and a half million people, mostly ethnic minorities, won't be able to vote. Voting has been cancelled in more than 50 townships, in areas the election commission says are troubled by unrest. Some ethnic political parties have accused the election commission of trying to block votes in constituencies dominated by ethnic parties. Most of the Rohingya minority are also excluded having been stripped of their citizenship and rights throughout the years. Nonetheless, that's what prompted the army's political party to decry fraud in this election. 
even though independent election observers agreed there was no proof of fraud on a scale large enough to overturn the NLD's landslide victory. But it brings us back to today, 2021. Myanmar completes its cycle of democracy with another military coup. The military has carried out a coup d'etat in Myanmar. They've seized control of the country and detained key government officials, including the country's de facto leader, Aung San Suu Kyi. The military accuses the government of failing to act on claims of voter fraud in last November's election. After what seemed like small steps towards democracy, Myanmar is now run by a general, as the military seized full control of the government. A moment that was bizarrely captured by a fitness instructor during her morning workout. Medics evacuate the wounded in Mandalay after police in the central Myanmar city turned their weapons on crowds. It was the deadliest day since protests began against a military coup earlier in the month, leaving both residents and demonstrators fleeing in shock at the use of live ammunition. All right. So, the Tamada has once again regained control of Myanmar. Aung San Suu Kyi is once again on house arrest. Army soldiers have once again opened fire on civilian protesters who are simply yearning for a democratic nation. Again and again, it appears like history continues to repeat itself in Myanmar. And people are quite fed up with it. Now, in my humble opinion, this is a major blow for Myanmar and its dreams to be a more representative nation. Though representation for all groups was hard to come by, and it didn't really matter whether the party in charge was military or civilian. But that's another problem in itself. Myanmar's economy has been struggling mightily in recent years, though it has been helped by its more greater and powerful neighbor, China. The Tatmadaw is weary though of China's ambitions and sphere of influence, so for the army, it benefits them to stay in charge and try to control China from within. But for the thousands of Burmese that have sacrificed their lives since 1988, fighting against the injustice of a military dictatorship, this will not go for naught. After getting a small taste of representative civilian democracy for the past five years, people are going to fight to ensure that they don't give up on that faint reality so easily. Unfortunately, this will result in more lives sacrificed. Who knows what's to come for Myanmar in the near future? The army has promised to hold elections again next year. Whether it will be a free and fair election is yet to be seen. For now, all the Burmese people can hope for is that it won't take another 55 years for a civilian government to work on their behalf. This has been Under the Sea Bass on Myanmar. Thank you for listening. A special thank you to my sources on this episode, uh, the many articles written by the anonymous authors of The Economist, Alice Cuddy of the BBC, NPR for its audio diary of the 1988 uprising, Radio Free Asia on the Saffron Revolution, Al Jazeera English, CNA TV, and of course, many Wikipedia articles. I'm open to suggestions on podcast episodes. If you have a suggestion for me, please email me at undertheseabazzpodcast at gmail.com. Until then, remember to expand your mind, join the movement, and continue to learn all about global protest here on Under the Sea Bass. Until next time.